Welcome to Soul Food, a podcast ministry of Calvary Chapel, Princeton, West Virginia. Um, so I'm back. Is this... You're good? Okay, good. Sometimes we get weird glare on there. Um, well, we're going to pick up back in uh, Psalms chapter 9 and finish up the chapter today. But before we start, I thought we'd take a couple minutes to just pray for Bill and uh, you guys will join me. Father, we just lift up Bill this morning. Um, he's uh, our pastor, our leader. We know that you've placed him in our lives for a reason. And we just lift him up. We pray for healing. We pray for comfort. Uh, we pray that you would touch him this morning uh, and know that he uh, he is loved and cared for. And we just put him in your hands and say, uh, I just ask that your, um, your spirit would be upon him this morning and you'd strengthen both his lungs and his, his body and generally, uh, that you would guard uh, uh, Connie as well as she's there with him. Um, protect them both and bring them back to us as we uh, have appreciated all that they've done for us. Thank you for sending them to our lives and to this church and this area. And I just praise you. Lift them up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we're in Psalms chapter 9, and we're going to pick up the, on the verse we left off with, uh, verse 12, and hopefully we'll finish the chapter. That's the goal, right? For he, verse 12 starts, for he who requires blood remembers them. He doesn't forget the cry of the afflicted. Who does he remember? He remembers the people. Uh, if we back up just a little bit to 10, uh, those who know thy name, that put their trust in him, and who seek him. He remembers. Those are the afflicted as well. If you look earlier in the chapter, uh, the those who are, are struggling and oppressed, he remembers them. But he doesn't forget their cry. The problem is he requires blood. And the reality is the wages of sin is death. And when he judges, he judges with a memory of all the evil, all the oppression and affliction that happens. You know, so many people really have a problem with a just God. They have a problem with God. How, how can God bring justice and the reality is how can he not he's holy and he demands restitution for the evil that's in this world and he does that in an avenging way it says vengeance is mine says the Lord it's not ours to avenge the evils of this world it's God's. 
and he will do that in his time. He avenges the injustice that people have suffered. And so we can rest in that truth and that hope that as we experience challenging times, God is faithful. And it's interesting that David is calling us to praise him for that. It's not just praise him because he's God. It's praise him because he's just and that he does remember the affliction, that he does recognize that there is evil and he is righteously going to judge it. Um, If you look over uh, in 10, remember that these two chapters, 9 and 10, are an acrostic. And every other verse is a different Hebrew letter in the alphabet. And so they kind of fit together until uh, the beginning of 10, and then it jumps back in in 16. But if you go over to chapter 10, there's a continuation of this idea in verse 11, uh, 11 through 13. It says, he says to himself, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He'll never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up thy hand. Do not forget the afflicted. Who has the wicked scorned, O God? Why is the wicked scorned? He has said to himself, thou will not require it. It's the same word here that we see in, in verse 12. He requires their blood. Interesting. Deuteronomy kind of reflects this same idea that David is saying. Uh, 32, 42. Three says, Rejoice, O nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance on his adversaries and will atone for his land and his people. Interesting. As he renders vengeance, he also atones, which is ties back to the atonement of Christ that what he's doing as Christ died for us, he applied that atonement. So we can be under the judgment or we can be under the atonement. And we have two positions that we either stand in. Now, Ezekiel 33 says, after he talks to Ezekiel about being the watchman on the wall, At the end of that passage, he says, Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from the evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? And this is the heart of the passage. He says, God remembers And he doesn't forget, and he will judge. But he's patient. And he's waiting for people to repent. And he's willing to offer grace. And so David says the same thing. 13, be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me, you who lift me up from the gates of death that I may tell of your praises and that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. 
David recognizes that he's not perfect. And there are areas in his life that he still needs grace. And for all of us, there are areas that we need to beg for grace in. Because we're not perfect. And God offers that to us. He says, be gracious to me. We all need lifted out of death. There are areas in our life that are degrading who we are, that are keeping us separated from God. And we need to ask God to lift us out of that death that's in our lives. Why? So that I may tell all your praises that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. God is the only means for that salvation and he provides that salvation for a reason. In this context, he provides it so that we can rejoice and proclaim him. The whole point of him saving us is to share who he is. And so our response is, I'm going to tell other people about this redemption. It's interesting that as we tell in 14 that I may tell of your praises, the result of speaking about God to others is rejoicing in your salvation. They're one and the same. And interesting, this salvation is the word Yeshua. In other words, that I may rejoice in Yeshua in you, my salvation. So as we proclaim the gospel, that's what we're doing. We're celebrating that God is doing a work in our lives and we want to see that same work happen in your life. He says, I've lifted up from the gates of death and he rejoices at the gates of Zion that death couldn't keep him. And now he has a new residence says that we are seated in a new position in the heavens with Christ. So we're to now set our affections on the things above, not on the things of the earth. It's a change in residence and thus a change in attitude. It's a change in the surroundings. You know, the gates were considered this place where the elders met, where deals were made, where, where all of life was lived out. And he says, I am leaving the gates of death as my residence, and I'm entering in to the gates of Zion where those around me can rejoice. Verse 15, the nations have sunk down in the pits which they've made, in the nets which they hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He's executed judgment. In the works of his own hands, the wicked is snared. Hegion Sila. 
In other words, the nations will reap what they sow. And we're seeing that around the world even today. They have sunk down. And there's no excuse. God is going to pass judgment. He's revealed himself. He's made himself known. It's interesting that he makes himself known in his judgment. The destruction of sinners is not only earned or meritorious, but it's efficiently of their own creation. I think that's a fascinating thing, that man's sin can be read in the punishment they receive. Because their punishment is a result, a direct result of the sin they have. He says, they sunk down in the pit. They made the net which they hid. That's how they're caught. The things that they're hiding in their lives. The things that, that they tried to dig into. The own work of their hands, what they did, their actions, are the things that catch them. Interesting, this Higion Sila. Uh, Sila's to meditate on this, think on this. It, it's used in a couple other contexts. Um, Psalm 19.14 uses it. Uh, it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The, the, the word is translated to meditations of my heart. So what he's saying is meditate on this, not just think about it or pause. And, and so the context implies that there's this decrescendo going on in the music, a softening, a, 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 a moment of serious contemplation. And, and when we look at that, we really do need to think about that. What are we doing that's ensnaring us? Are there things that you need to let go of that are ensnaring your relationship with God, that are keeping you hidden, that are sinking you down. Interesting, Lamentations 6 uses the same word. Um, the lips of my assailant, uh, assailants and their whispering are against me all day long. Same word, this whispering is Higion. This is their heart, the focus of their heart is against him. So the question is, where is the focus of your heart? Is it that God has made himself known to you? And you want to see him and his glory in your life? Or are there things that are dragging you down? Are there nets 
that you're hiding? Are there works that are ensnaring you? What we do is a direct result of the way our heart is focused. And David says, we need to really think about that. We need to change our focus. Verse 17, the wicked will return to Sheol, even all the nations who forget God. The wicked will return to the grave implies that that's where they came from. That's their natural element is death. John, Jesus says, those who are born of the flesh are flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And Ecclesiastes kind of goes on to the same idea. The dust will return to the earth, and the spirit will return to God who gives it. How do we respond to that? Jesus, in the verse before, he says, flesh and flesh and bone, or uh, spirit of spirit. The verse before, he says, truly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We need a rebirth in the spirit. Each of us need that. Because it is the desire of this church that everyone here be filled with that spirit. It's interesting that it's not just people, but it's nations. The wicked will return to Sheol, even all the nations who forget God. What's the cause of the death of the nations? that they've forgotten God. What's the demise of humanity in general? We forget God. Verse 18, the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hopes of the affliction, afflicted perish forever. The reality is there is a hope. And it will be realized. But our real need is the Spirit. Interesting, there's a parallel going on in Exodus. If we go to 3, uh, 9, and 12. Behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I've seen the oppression which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I'll send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses is a type of Christ here, but in another way, he's a type of us. God is saying, I want to send you out. And I love Moses' response. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? 
and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And how many of us say that? You know, spirit moves you to share something with somebody. And we, in fear, say, who am I to say that to this person? God responds to that. He says, certainly, I will be with you. I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. That's an encouragement. But it's interesting that the sign doesn't show up until after he does the work he's supposed to do. And that's a challenge to us. We've been called to a specific work to share the gospel to the world. To be a light to the nations. And he has a promise that he'll certainly be with us in the midst of it. And we'll get to worship with the people we bring at his mountain. Verse 19, arise, O Lord, don't let man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. David says, do what you're going to do. It's interesting when God gets up, you know, that's the call. Get up. Come and do what you're going to do. And there's two ideas here. The fear of God, when we first saw it in the Bible, was when Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit. In Genesis 3, it said, We heard you and were afraid, so we hid. We see almost the exact problem in Revelation chapter 6, 15 through 17. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of he who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Put them in fear, O oh Lord. There's one fear that causes you to hide. To hide yourselves. Fall into the nets that you made. But there's another fear. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Isaiah says almost the same thing. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. There's 
There are two ways to fear God. One causes you to respond and respect what he has to say. The other causes you to hide. Acts 9.31 says the church had peace and was being built up and walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. As we are the church, it's in the fear of the Lord that we walk. Corinthians 12.5, or 12.5, 2 Corinthians 5.11, I'll get it organized there, says, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. What does the fear of the Lord bring you? It brings you a heart that doesn't want destruction, just like he said in Ezekiel, I don't like to destroy the wicked. I want them to repent. And that should be our heart for the people around us. No matter who it is, no matter how wicked they seem in our eyes, as the church, we have the spirit of Christ desires repentance rather than wrath. Revelation 22, 17 says, The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Genesis 3.9, as Jesus came searching for them, says the Lord God called Adam, called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Even from the beginning, that was his call. He knew that they had sinned. He knew that there was going to be a consequence to their actions. But yet his heart was, where are you? Because I want to make it right. There are two hearts here. One responds to this question like Adam in sin and hides and lives in fear. The other one says, come, Lord Jesus. Fix the problems in my life. Change me. Fix the problems in the world. That's the heart of the Holy Spirit. It's our prayer that that heart and that spirit fall on each of you today. That it indwell you and overwhelm you so that you act, calling others. Let him who hears say, come. It's our prayer that that's your heart today, saying, come, Lord Jesus.
change me. Let him who thirsts drink freely. There's no cost. It's free. The grace of God requires our faith, but it's free. We're to trust in him that he wants what's perfect for us. Father, we thank you that it is your word that is bringing change in our lives. It's your spirit that can bring us out of hiding. Lord, that's our desire today. We want to fear you with a righteous fear, with a respect, with a humility and a brokenness. Not hiding from you, afraid of your wrath, afraid of the consequences because we know we've done wrong, but thankful that you have made a way for us to have relationship again. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, today we're going to take communion. For those of you who want to say, come, Lord Jesus, we welcome you all to come up and take the elements um, as you feel led, if I can get out of the maze of craziness here. There was a step. (laughs) All right. Hmm. As you feel led, feel free to come on over and take of the bread and the wine. As he said, before he died, as often as you eat it, as often as you take of my bread and drink of my wine, you proclaim my death that I've died for you. So, you're welcome to come and take of that now.